right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. We got a short show today. We're out at uh, about 425 for high school hoops. Nick's going to be on the call with Craig Hershiser. We got the Free State girls. Their game at 430. The LHS girls at 6 o'clock. So we got to be hasty on today's edition of the show, but uh, we have plenty to talk about. We're going to preview the KU-Kentucky game here. We'll get to our Chiefs AFC Championship preview, game picks, and we're going to be joined by Jordan Majewski, who's going to talk a little college basketball, Big 12 SEC showdown with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Four NFL teams remain, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big with playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and booster winnings with each leg you add up to 100 so we're going to do our game picks later in the show where we'll have the KU-Kentucky game and the Chiefs game and the 49ers-Eagles game, too. Uh, but let's build a same-game parlay. Okay. Give me okay. Uh, Did you happen to check to see if the one we built last week would have hit? I think it might have. It Wait, might have. Mahomes we, passing yards in that one? Uh, I don't remember. That would have been under. We had Kelsey two tuds. Yeah, and that worked. Bang. I don't know what else. I think we had, we had 20. We had uh, Jared McKinnon. Over like twenty rushing yards, twenty nine and a half receiving yards. Which oh, I don't know if that yards. happened. Oh, I mean, it, it kind of got hurt when you had uh, Patrick Mahomes suffer yeah. the injury. So yeah. no, he didn't have any catches last week. Weirdly enough. So no, okay. I, I don't think we would have won. Okay, uh, give me something <clears> like <throat> touchdown score. You want yards? Like I can give you the prop for it. I have it on DraftKings right now. I want, you called the I touchdown want, last week. I want so. Travis Kelsey over yards. Okay. I want Kadarius Tony touchdown. So the Kelsey yards is 78 and a half. Yep, over that. Kadarius, Tony, Todd. Hmm. And let's see what else. What's Pacheco's yardage over, under? Okay, so Kadarius, Tony, touchdown anytime is plus 280. Yep. Like Travis, that. Kelsey. Uh, where is the yards? Here we go. Receiving props. All right. So Travis Kelsey. 78 and a half, right? Why is it not here? He's not on there? I don't know. It was here and now it's gone. Oh, here we go. Oh. Uh, Travis Kelsey receiving yards. Okay. Okay. So you can do over 64 and a half, 74 and a half, 84 and a half. It's minus 210, minus 135, plus 110. 74 and a half. Okay. 74 and a half. And then what was the last one you said? Uh, what was Pacheco? What's Pacheco's yardage? For rushing? Yeah. Let's see. It's so nice how they sort this on DraftKings. You can just like easily rushing, receiving props, defensive, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Pacheco, yeah. over 34.5 is minus 350. Over 44.5, minus 165. Over 54.5, plus 115. Over 64.5. Rushing yards is over. Over 64.5 is plus 205. And over 74.5 is plus 340. Oh, boy. 
Oh, boy. You want to go big time here? You want to go over 74 and a half? Uh, no, let's do, let's okay. do 64 and a half. 64 and a half. All right. So you put that together. So Kadarius Tony anytime touchdown. Kelsey over 74 and a half receiving that's yards. pretty good odds. Pacheco over 64 and a half rushing yards. 1,300. Yeah, that's really good. 13 to 1. Wow. Put 10 bucks on that. You win 130. That's really good. Technically 140 because you get the $10 back. Do that at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championship and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino, Andrew resort. KU takes on Kentucky tomorrow in Lexington. I was thinking about this the other day. I think there's probably actually a big crossover of Cincinnati Bengals fans to Kentucky fans. There could be. So in the sense close to Ohio. Yeah, right? it's 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 right there and I mean if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan like there's a chance that maybe like you know Cincinnati the Bearcats like maybe you're not about them, like I don't know, That's maybe true. they weren't a big enough Kentucky's school for long enough. a big enough, enough brand that they probably yeah. have. Yeah, and it is close enough that you know it's like here to Kansas City almost. I feel like, um, so this is this is really a big, a big week week of you know yeah like fans Kentucky going against each Kansas, other in a certain way. Kansas City versus Cincinnati. So I guess first things first, because you have two teams that are going in this at completely opposite ends. Kentucky's won four straight. They've seemed to figure things out. They changed their lineup a little bit. Severe Wheeler starting to come off the bench and making different impacts now. Uh, they're they're yeah they were they were dead yeah they were deader. Their than three dead. point shooters have found life. They they actually have good three point shooting around Oscar Sheboy now. For Kansas, you come in losing three straight, and basically to me, this game is less about. Kentucky specifically, like, yes, there are certain things Kentucky does that are going to give Kansas troubles, but I mean it from the standpoint of the starting point for Kansas trying to win this game, it has a lot more to do with can Kansas just be better? <laughs> like, can Kansas play? They've lost three straight games. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. There are a lot of things they have to do better in this game to win that just involves their own internal stuff. Like, you need a faster start. Yep. You, can't, you can't get behind 10, 15 points to open up the game yep. again. You have to defend better. Um, and, and we've seen times where they have defended in some of these past games, but it hasn't been for the, the consistency of the game. You have to defend the three better. Mentioned Kentucky's actually been good at three-point shooting. Defensive rebounding. That's easier said than done. Kentucky's uh, number two in the country in offensive rebound rate, basically because of Oscar Shibway is grabbing 14 a game. He He's going to get double-digit rebounds. Just, like, accept that. But can you hold him to... It sounds weird saying, hold him to 14 rebounds. Hold him to 15 rebounds. But that's kind of the case in this game. Like, yeah. Don't let him get 20, 22, 25 rebounds. And then can others, besides Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, so basically the other three starters and the bench, can you get enough other people to step up? No, I agree. I think a lot of the discourse leading up to this game and a lot of the discussion is, Oscar Sheboy this, Oscar Sheboy that. What are they going to do? Blah, 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 blah. But I agree with you in that. The, the game is going to be won or lost in, in other areas besides Oscar Sheboy. Because he's you're right, he's probably gonna get twenty and fifteen. Like that's he's just that's just probably what's gonna happen, right? <laughs> so it's like the other areas are gonna be what's really going to decide this game is going to be the rest of Kansas rebounding wise, Kansas shooting, Kansas getting off to a fast start, like you said, like defense, like those other things are probably what's going to matter more in this game than just being able to you know, I that's assuming that that's the case unless Oscar Sheboy has like thirty five and twenty five. 
then at the, then at that point, like, okay, yeah, you're probably mm-hmm. you're probably you're probably toast then. So, and, and you're right. I think the other concern for Kansas here is we talked about this a little bit yesterday with finding flaws in Kansas. Is we've seen teams just out athlete Kansas sort of where they just you know you look at a team like Baylor or TCU right where they just got hot, but then also on top of that they just have really athletic dudes around all, all over the place. And I think Kentucky maybe could be in sort of that similar line of thought of having a lot of athletic guys on their team. That could give Kansas problems. But, no, I agree. I think I think from the Kansas perspective, this game should be more about what you do, what Kansas does, and less about worrying about what Kentucky's going to do. It should be more about let's focus on us, let's have a good start, let's focus on executing our offense, our defense, and less about reacting to Shibway getting 100 offensive rebounds, reacting to whatever else Kentucky wants to do. Like, that, that's what I think Kansas' mentality should be is let's not worry about what Kentucky is doing. Let's focus on executing what we want to do at a high level first. And if you can do that early in the game, I think you're probably going to be successful because we know, especially with the starting five, when they're executing at a high level, they're a top, they're a top five team, top ten team maybe, the starting mm-hmm. five, right? I mean, we've seen it in, in other games this season. So if you can get that level of, of execution from Jalen Wilson, from Dewan Harris, from Grady Dick, and even Kevin McCullough rebound, right? Kevin McCullough led the team in rebounding against Baylor. Can he continue to contribute in, in that sense, right? So, and then obviously with KJ Adams, like with KJ Adams, I think the biggest concern there is he gets two quick fouls trying to box out Oxford Sheepway or something like that. And then you could have serious trouble because then you're probably going to have to be looking at Zuby or Ernest coming in. And then you're talking about a, you know, a freshman. A McDonald's All-American in, in the case of Ernest Uday, but still a freshman nonetheless going up against literally a grown man in Oscar Sheway. I mean, Oscar Sheway is in like his what seventh season of college basketball. It feels like. <laughs> I mean, so that that's a that will be uh, certainly a mismatch. So that would be the concern I think from that standpoint with KJ is just try not to get try not to get two quick fouls boxing out Sheway, right? Yeah, and, and I remember uh, a couple times ago when they went to Lexington, the 2017 version. Uh, I remember hearing Landon Lucas talk about this because he w- he had the matchup with Bam Adebayo, and that KU team was not super deep behind Landon. Like they didn't have a ton of other options behind him so at kind the of center similar, position, kind of right? To this team. Yeah, so it was like he he needs to avoid foul trouble, and, and obviously difficult in the matchup like that. And he, I, I forget if it was Bill Self talking to him or he mentioned this himself, but it, it was something to the idea of like. You can you can get a bucket back like if if he get if you give up a a point to Bam Adebayo because you're playing good defense but you're not being ultra aggressive you can get that score back you can't get the foul back you know if you foul out you can't get back into the game yeah and I think that's kind of how I view this now we also heard Bill Self yesterday talking about something that we've kind of discussed this season about how you know KJ's defensive rebounding numbers are are not not very good and and yes you would like to see them be better. But also, he has been someone who does a good job boxing out the opposing big man. It's just that... It kind of takes him out of the play. It, it, exactly. And something Bill Self talked about yesterday was, he's done a good job with that, but now we need him to not just do that, but still attack for the rebound. Like, yeah. not just focus on that. So I'll, I'll be interested was, to see how that goes. I thought it was really telling with that discussion with Bill Self that he, he sounded pretty confident that he thought KJ could do that, right? Like yeah. It wasn't like a situation of like a... Oh, you know, we're hoping he can do it. It was more of a like he's done this one thing really well, and we think he can also do that while also being able to to 
get aggressive with rebounding as well, right? So, and on the flip side, you know, what if Shibway gets two quick fouls? Then suddenly that changes a lot of things too for for Kansas and Kentucky. So, you've got to be cautious. And I think if you're Kansas, I, again, when it when it comes to officiating, my thought is always it, it's like the weather. Both teams have to <laughs> both teams have to to deal with it, right? But if you're Kansas, maybe early in the game, you maybe want to try to feel out how the calls are going, right? Like if it's going to be a little tighter, if it's going to be, if there's going to be a little bit more playing instead of just going into the game and just trying to get aggressive. And mm-hmm. then you're suddenly you're, you know, you've got two fouls, six minutes into the game. Now, as far as what Kentucky does well, offensively, it's a top 25 offense. Uh, I said they were number two in offensive rebound rate. That was as of yesterday. It looks like they moved up to number one now. Um, they don't really <laughs> turn it over a ton. So they maximize the possession game. They're okay at shooting twos, but they're pretty good at shooting. They're 41st in the country at three-point percentage at 37%. Now, they don't take a ton of them, but basically it's because defenses get sucked in on Oscar and they have enough good shooters on the outside. C.J. Frederick can knock him down. Um, Antonio Reeves is a really good three-point shooter. He's kind of their best perimeter scorer. Cason Wallace can hit him. Severe Wheeler's actually hit him at a, a pretty good rate this year, which has been kind of a bugaboo for him in the past. Would you expect Kansas to immediately double Oscar? Yes, it's, I don't think it's something that they normally have done in the past against talented big men. But you think they will do it here? Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, listen, Dewan is Dewan is very very good at being able to harass somebody like that in the post and still recover for you know an open three or whatever on defense. So if he's the guy that can sag down and and at least harass Shibway and not let him just get into a post move. That could be even just beneficial, even if you're not instantly doubling. Yeah, and, and the scary part is, again, you have all those three-point shooters on the outside, which could burn you a bit. And Shibuya has not been, like, bad at turning the ball over. 1.7 turnovers for a big man in 32.6 minutes per game. That's not that bad, but I, I do kind of expect that to happen. So, yes. Um, obviously, I don't expect them to switch five in this game, but I would imagine they're going to switch one through four, and then they'll just yeah. leave KJ on Oscar. Would be my guess how they do that. Yeah. Now on the defensive side of the ball, this is where you can really get some inroads against Kentucky. They uh, have not ranked very well. They're outside the top fifty right now. They actually are okay at, at preventing two point shots. They're pretty good there. Um, they're good defensive rebounding team. Not quite as elite as the offensive rebounds, but everything on the defensive end, like they're, they're not really like great at anything on the defensive end. They're not like bad at, at many things defensively. So the they're, one thing, they're an average defense. Pretty much. Pretty much. Something that has hurt them though, is if you can, if you can either space Oscar Shibway defensively, which I don't know how much KU can do that because it's, it's This is going to be a game where KJ is probably going to take a couple of those mid range shots. Would you entertain Zach Clements? See, so I, I think this is super interesting. The discourse of Zach Clements slash Cam Martin, if we just put those together, I don't know if Cam's back to play or not, but um, versus going with Uday slash Zuby. Do you go with the physical guy who can help you on the glass and defensively, or do you just say we're going to get worked on the glass and defensively anyway, let's just go with the guy that can stretch the floor? I kind of lean to the idea that they're going to get worked physically on the glass anyway, just go with the guy that can stretch the floor. So, yeah, maybe it is a Zach Clements game to answer that. Um, but, yeah, I think KJ... He's going to have to be really good in those short rolls in this game. He struggled the last couple games in that regard. Can he hit a couple of those mid-range shots? Can he make good passes out of the high post? That's going to be important. But also Kansas in the pick and roll, you can take advantage of Oscar Sheboy. So those those are things that kind of stick out. Both teams can be really good in transition. So if either team gets more transition tries... I hope this is a game that 
Dewan is able to shake off the issues he's been having. Because Kansas needs it badly. KU wins if what? KU wins if... They have a good three-point shooting night, I guess. I don't know. I'm having a hard time like articulating a specific thing. For me, it's it's what you were just talking about. If Dewan Harris has a if good game, Dewan I think KU wins. Yeah, that's that's what it is to me. Now the other, if 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 everything else is status quo, when Dewan has a good game, you're probably right. Yes. The other pieces to this is that, let's say KU. I mean, I think can like I kind of touched on earlier. I think. I think Kansas will win if Oscar Shibway is good but not great. Yeah, that, I think that too. Will win like if, that. if they get if they get thirteen or fourteen offensive rebounds, that's a good number. But like that's the Baylor really game number. was eighteen, and you lost by six. So if you get rid of four of their possessions, you know maybe you do win that game. So if you can hold them to, but also get some more yourself. Like basically just just condensing the possession game. Don't lose by a bunch of turnovers. Don't lose by lose by a bunch of offensive rebounds. That along with the the Juan Harris side of it, those to me are the ones that, that kind of stick. I out. mean, Bill Self's got to be, I'm sure he's very frustrated. Like, when you play defense and the goal is to go one and done, and instead the opponent's getting two, three shots every single possession, like, you're just, you're going to struggle. Yeah. You're he's struggle. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to shift gears, talk a little AFC Championship Chiefs preview against the Bengals next. This is RCST. <laughs> Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. High school hoops come at you tonight. Nick will be on the call with Craig Hershiser. We'll have the Free State Girls 4:30, the LHS Girls at six o'clock as part of the Winter Classic happening over at Free State High School. Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game this Sunday. Um, 5:30 is when the game starts. Pre-game is going to start beforehand. We have the coverage for you from Westwood One for both the NFC and the AFC Championship games happening on Sunday. You might be wondering, well, what does that mean for KU Women's Basketball, which is happening around the same time at 5? That's going to be over on 105.9 KISS for this Sunday. So keep all that in mind, but you can tune in to uh, the AFC Championship game on Sunday. Is I, I already see all this narrative stuff starting, and it's already <laughs> annoying me. You have the, the, you know, if Joe Burrow wins this game, he'd be 4-0 against Mahomes. Like, forget the fact that... Um, Mahomes is playing injured and everything. And at that point, he'd have the same number of Super Bowl appearances as Patrick Mahomes. And if he wins the Super Bowl, they'd have the same amount of Super Bowl wins. And if you have those things the same and he's 4 0 against him, everybody's going to be like, oh, he's the best quarter. And just completely disregarding the fact that when the two of them play each other, the Chiefs are playing against the Bengals defense, which has been objectively over the, the matchups better than the Chiefs defense. And Joe Burrow has honestly probably had better weapons when you look at everything around him. But but that all aside, you, you also saw that there was a tweet that kind of went around last night about somebody being like, you know, if the Chiefs lose this game, then Patrick Mahomes was already have like the most home conference championship losses of like any quarterback or he'd be like tied for first well, or something. Yeah, that's what happens when you play exactly. five it's, conference it's championship so games in a row at home. It's the same thing of like when LeBron would lose in the finals and it's like, okay, but you're you're discounting him for losing in the finals whereas another guy loses in the conference semifinals but it doesn't go on the record as a conference finals loss because nobody cares. But like, what would you rather? You, you know what I mean. Like you have to be yeah. good enough to make it to the. So I, I I don't know that 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 type of logic just blows my mind because it's like, you know, 
oh, they made a Final Four, but guess what? They lost in the Final Four, so you have a Final Four loss. You're a choker as opposed to somebody who loses in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Like, what? What are we doing here? Um, so that's that's just dumb. But anyway, Mahomes has been practicing all week. He was a full participant on Wednesday, Wednesday's practice. Um, all the video clips that have come out, like, he's looked fine. I haven't seen him, like, making any cuts or anything, which which that's the the real notice. So, I mean, either this is... This is unbelievable job by the Chiefs to master the story here, to kind of control what's going out, because think about it. I mean, you might be saying, like, well, what do they have to gain off of that? You know, are, are the Bengals, like, not going to prepare for Patrick Mahomes? Of course they are. But I think what it changes, potentially, if you're the Bengals and you see Patrick Mahomes is hobbled, you might just go after him all day. You might blitz him all day. You might play press man coverage all day. I don't know. They might do that anyway. But if if you're able to perceive to them that Patrick Holmes is okay, typically Patrick Holmes is unbelievable against the blitz. And they might be like, oh, shoot, well, he's okay. We can't blitz him. I don't okay. know. A couple things. Number one, I think Mahomes is fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. He I might am, be. I am what just if, going to choose to subscribe to the idea that he's fine, everything's fine, and I'm just going to be happy about it. Well, no, that. honestly, honest question. What if. Because I, I think sometimes in sports, like, if I go out and I play basketball and I roll my ankle, but I don't actually sprain it, I'm just like, I rolled my ankle. But in sports, we put a label to everything when somebody gets injured. So what if Patrick Holmes just rolled his ankle? What if he I mean, didn't actually get a, a real sprain? It, what if it, it was just like a you know a minor it, rolled ankle? You it know? definitely appeared to be more significant than a rolled ankle. Uh, I don't know. Ankle, if you've ever say. rolled your ankle bad, like the day of, you can't really walk on it, but then you're fine in a, in a day or two. What if yeah, that's all I it was? I don't know. The other, just, the other part of what you were saying is what's worked for the Bengals against the Chiefs has been rushing three and playing coverage. Like That's what's worked. That's what's been the working... Defense last game Mahomes. though they blitzed him a few times. They they kind of last game they did like a mix. So I don't I don't I think the Bengals will probably still play that type of defense. Like I'm not expecting them to blitz that much. I think they'll I think they'll probably because basically what you're doing is like if Mahomes is hobbled and he's a and he's playing in the pocket like we've talked about Mahomes' biggest strength or what really elevates him to that uh, transcendent talent is what he does outside the pocket, what he does scrambling and things like that. So. But we know he's really good against the blitz. So basically, if he's hobbled, blitzing him plays into making him better because then you're you're keeping him in the pocket, sure. But that's that's when he's at his best, right? So blitzing him, I think, even when he's injured, makes probably even less sense than blitzing him when he's fully healthy. To be quite honest with you, I think so the I idea think, is if you blitz him when he is healthy, he can scramble away from it. Yeah, and extend yeah. the time. So he can't he can't scramble, I guess, or we think he might not be able to scramble as well. But but I don't know. Also, Mahomes is a maniac. I mean, the guy <laughs> went out on the first play of the second half and tried to scramble. So mm-hmm. he might just run around like an idiot. I don't yeah. even know. Well, I don't I mean, even know. You look at the how important it is, what his health is, and how he can at least run a little bit. Think about all the the great plays or, or the times that Kansas City has won games. Because, I mean, you go back yeah. to the conference championship I mean, every, game, obviously, every great against the Titans. Play, but. Every great play that you can if, – like, if you were to – Go all back the highlights and rank. of him scrambling. Exactly. If you were to go back and rank like all the best plays of Mahomes in his career, all of them are like him outside the pocket, running around. You know, he does the three sixty spinorama touchdown against the Bucks. He has the the you know the crazy left handed pass in like one of his first starts against the Broncos when he was scrambling. Right, like every great play you can think of with Mahomes, pretty much almost all of them involve him mm-hmm. scrambling. Yeah, right. And, and like think back to some of the games you would have lost this year without his mobility. The Titans game, that last drive of the game, like. 
they had a couple chunk plays running. The two-point conversion to tie it, that was Mahomes running. Yeah, I think the difference now, though, is it, theoretically you can rely on Pacheco now. Yeah, I know. I know. Some but of these I'm games earlier like, in the season. The Chargers game, the final drive in L.A., he had a 20-yard run on, on your final drive to win it. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown in the first game against Cincinnati. Like It completely changes things. But I, if I kind of do. He's suspect, injured, but maybe he's not. I, I kind of do suspect this game actually is going to be determined by who can ground and pound better. <laughs> like it's going to be this big discussion of Mahomes versus Burrow, and, and certainly I expect Mahomes and Burrow probably to both make some great throws and and be excellent in critical situations. But I think the game is going to be won or lost by which team can ground and pound better, which mm-hmm. team can run the ball more effectively, which. From the Chiefs' perspective, is kind of bad because they the Bengals kind of just grounded and pounded them pretty easily last time they played. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan had what 150 yards from scrimmage, I think, in the last game they played. Yeah, over 100 and rushing. Mixon is healthy uh, now. On the other side, with the Chiefs, you know, you have Pacheco, who is a formidable rusher of, uh, in his own right. So, but that that I think to me could be where the game is more determined, and that doesn't mean like Mahomes and Burrow are going to make their plays, right? They're going to make their highlight plays, I think, but. The game could be ultimately determined by which team runs the ball better. Yeah, and you look at that first matchup, like you talked about. Uh, I, I just kind of want to go over what happened in that first matchup because it could be telling. I don't know. Bengals got up fourteen to three, which I kind of forgot about that. Yep, they got up fourteen to three. Then the Chiefs came back at the end of the half. The Chiefs had to make a near goal line stop. They stopped the Bengals at the four, and then eventually in the second half, the Chiefs went up twenty four twenty. And they had the ball. Yep. And Travis Kelsey had a, a gain that yep. took him to around midfield. With and he like fumbled. nine minutes left in the fourth yeah. quarter, the Chiefs had the ball up by four points. Around with midfield. Basically a chance to put the game away yeah. with a you touchdown. You go down and score a touchdown. Exactly. Um, so then you fumble. They go down. They get a touchdown. And then you're down 27 24, a little over two minutes, three minutes to go. And the Chiefs had like a fourth in, I think it was like fourth and two or fourth and three. Mahomes had just missed like a wide open guy in the flats on the, uh, the third down and short. And they ended up, instead of going for the fourth and three, they kicked like a 51-yard field goal. And that was at the time when Bucker was really struggling, and he missed. And then the Chiefs couldn't get off the field. They had the one uh, third down where they couldn't stop the bubble screen to Jamar, even though they had like four guys there. That was certainly a, a story of the game, the Chiefs' bad tackling. And then they had the kind of post route over the middle of the field with T. Higgins to kind of lock it up at the end of the game. Um, the Bengals ended up scoring on all but one possession which was the stop at the four-yard line. So they really moved the ball up and down the field. They took advantage of the middle of the field. Uh, that was a bad game for the linebackers. They ran it super well because the linebackers struggled in tackling, and then also because the linebackers had to keep coming up because of the run threat, it left the middle of the field open for the receivers and the tight ends over the middle. Like you said, P. Ryan over 150 total yards. No pressure on Burrow. They had one sack, but it wasn't really consistent at all. On the offensive side of the ball, Chiefs actually had a lot of offensive success, but the Kelsey fumble kind of stalled it out. You missed a field goal. Yeah. Listen, um, I, I said it I said it the Monday after the game against the Bengals. The Bengals played a perfect 60-minute game. They executed everything they wanted to do absolutely perfectly, and the Chiefs had the ball in the fourth quarter with the lead to basically ice the game. That's all you need to know. The Chiefs didn't play yeah. that well, and the Bengals played perfect 60 minutes of football. They executed every single af- facet of their game plan Absolutely perfectly, and they were still down four to the Chiefs late in the game. That's why I'm not really concerned about this game at home. I mean, I, I know Mahomes might be hobbled or whatever, but I, I just I have this overarching sense that the Chiefs are just are just going to win, right? Like I I just think they're going to win, and I I mean obviously I'm a fan, so I want them to win, and I think you know, but I just I I don't know. I think as long as the Chiefs don't do anything really really stupid, 
they should win the game. So when you look at you look at fielding punts, you look at field goals, you look at turnovers, right? Actually, it's not an interesting stat. So after the Bengals game, the Chiefs have forced at least one turnover in every game since the Bengals game. And the Bengals have also forced a turnover in every game since the Chiefs game. So, yeah, you know, you look at that. That probably is going to be a factor. Can the Chiefs defense, you know, make a play or force a turnover at some point or, or anything like that, right? Well, I guess when you, you look at a guy like Frank Clark, who has played so well in the postseason, obviously you have Chris Jones, still doesn't have postseason sack. Maybe he could get one, you know. Could could Trent McDuffie get a pick? You know, they, they got an interception late against the Jaguars. That that is the area of the game that I'm looking at because I I the Bengals are going to play well and they're going to move the ball well and they're going to execute well. That that's kind of what they're really good at is 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 fundamentally executing very well. But they did that against the Chiefs at uh, at home and the Chiefs still had a chance to win the game late and go up two possessions late in the game. So for the Chiefs, it's just it, it's it kind of is just goes back to what it's been every single week with the Chiefs. It's can they just not beat themselves? Can they just not make enough stupid mistakes? Because that 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 also is another factor is, like I said, the Bengals to me are maybe one of the best teams in the league at not making stupid mistakes. Whereas the Chiefs kind of tend to do that, right? So if the Chiefs can just not do that, I, I think they'll be fine. I think Mahomes is going to be fine. He's going to make plays. Like He's going to do his thing regardless of if he's if he's hobbled or not. He's, he's going to have a significant impact on the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence, though. I think the Chiefs I have a lot of confidence in them. The one thing that worries me is everything you said about Bengals executing and you still had a chance to win. That's been the case for all three games you play them, and they the Bengals won all three of them. So it's like something weird is going on here in this series, but maybe maybe this is the game that it turns. It's just the Chiefs trip themselves up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the, the collapse in the AFC title game last year, which I, I don't even know what you can chalk that one up to. Kelsey with the fumble. In the in the game of the regular season, right? So it's just it's just cr- in critical moments we've seen the Chiefs stumble basically against the Bengals. And like I said, the Bengals, if there's one thing that they've shown uh, with Joe Burrow is they're they're really really good at just playing fundamentally. They don't make a lot of mistakes that hurt themselves, right? I mean, the Bengals, the Chiefs are going to have to win this game. The Bengals are not going to lose it to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, who's a player do you think has to step up on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs? Besides Mahomes, it's got to be it's got to be it's got to be Pacheco. To me, it's got to be Pacheco. I mean, I think I think Pacheco needs to have at least seventy five yards on the ground. I think for the Chiefs to win this game, maybe more. So he's he's to me he's got to have a big game, and I, I think he's I would say him or I would say Orlando Brown, mm-hmm. <laughs> like or Orlando Brown specifically would need to have one of his better games of the season and. Obviously, he has struggled this season in a year that he was hoping to play himself into an even bigger contract. Probably not going to get that now, but you're in a position still where you can help contribute to this team winning the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I I totally echo the Pacheco one. By the way, well, just kind of fun note on Pacheco. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, I was watching. They have that uh, show on YouTube called The Franchise, and they you know, yeah. document no, the course a, of the It's Chiefs. an excellent, excellent show. It is. And... Uh, Isaiah Pacheco in in the one where they clinched the division, he's like they're they're going to him and he's like I've never won a championship in football before. Pacheco and, said that, and it, it's interesting because I, I I noticed a couple times throughout the season when they'd win, even just like whatever games, he would be so excited on the sideline. And I was thinking to it, and I was like, man, this dude's been playing at Rutgers for four or five years, like, and they Rutgers haven't had was, football success. Rutgers and, was kind of bad. Yeah, for exactly. A while. And like he he wasn't like a high level. Like I'm pretty recruit. sure he like, was on the team when Rutgers lost to mm-hmm. Kansas. 5-14. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. 
And like, you go back to his high school career. He wasn't like a you know five star recruit where he was probably winning state championships and stuff. So it's just it's fun to see those types of players come into an environment like the Chiefs where they're just like experiencing winning for the first time. And, and I think it it almost makes him more likely to step up in a game like this because. He's like extra juiced up. Now, at certain positions, you wouldn't want that to be the case. Like a quarterback, you want to be calm and composed. But like, I think that Dude, works. Yeah, for him. at running back, just go exactly. crazy. Be a bull in the exactly. Plant. Be a bull in the china shop. Like, and so the first crazy. game, the first game the, these two teams played, it, it wasn't just Pacheco. It was Jet McKinnon too. But they combined twenty-two carries, one hundred seventeen yards. So, I think they need to have at least that, if not more. Yes, in this I, game. I agree. I hope this is not a game that Andy gets too far away from the running game. I'm, I'm not saying you make that your main focus, but uh, I would also like to see the Chiefs down 10-0 in the first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> No, I uh, no, no. I would no, like to see I'm that. Out on that. Um, I would very much like to see that. In fact, no, I would that's prefer, panic mode. I would um, prefer that that happens. I, I I totally agree with the Orlando Brown one. Uh, if I want to throw out another name, I'll go with uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. He got two deep balls, almost had a third one against Cincinnati last time these two teams played. He's the type of guy that he could just have. He could have one catch in this game, yeah. but it could be one of the if biggest it's catches. Forty-four of the game, yards, right? You know. So he, he's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, other side of the ball, uh, defense. I mean, it's easy to go with Frank Jones or with uh, Frank Jones, uh, Frank Clark or Chris Jones. It's easy to go with one of those guys, but I think you have to look at the linebackers, like Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Those those guys have to have a big game when it comes to slowing down the Bengals' running game, but also being aware in coverage, right? And that's obviously they have been inconsistent to say the least in that area. So probably one of those guys, Nick Bolton, I would say. Or, or uh, Willie Gay. I would yeah, as as much as I want to go with the D lineman, and I think the the pass rush it, it has to get there. Like that's the most important part of the defense. At the end of the day, if if you struggle tackling like you did, and the linebackers struggle again as much as they did last game, you're screwed because they're going to run and they're going to hit you over the middle with play action. You're going to be caught in no man's land. So I, I 100% agree with the linebackers. One if thing, wanna, real, one oh, thing real quick we haven't touched on is the possible return of McCall Hardman. We yes. don't really know what that's going to look like or what role he's going to play, but. Uh, the more you know, weapons, just, the merrier. Yeah, just um, just keep an eye on that. Yeah, him and Kadarius Tony. I, I think I'm really interested to see how those play together. If I do want to add one other defensive thing in there, it's the fact that remember last game Joshua Williams was the main corner playing next to like Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed. I, I think it's been pretty clear like over the past few games, Jalen Watson has taken over that spot over Joshua Williams. He's a better open field tackler, and he's been really good in coverage lately. He had the pick against the Jaguars. Watch out for him, and also something they've done since the Bengals game. Legarius Sneed, they put him on bigger receivers, like they put him on DK Metcalf. I wonder if he'll be on T. Higgins this game as opposed to Joshua Williams. That would be something I'm interested in. So we'll see how that goes around. Um, all right, we'll have that game for you Sunday here on KLWN. We're going to get to our game picks next with Nick Springer and Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right, that time of the week for our game picks. Coming up at the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to have our Westwood One college basketball update and then few minutes after that starts, Jordan Majewski, college basketball writer, is going to join us. Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered. They're located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, 
and a covered patio. So we got our game picks for the week. Obviously, college is done. We continue on with the NFL, continue on with our KU game picks, and then real quickly, we'll do our uh, Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk for this week. So, Nick, you are uh, 46-48-5 and in the NFL. Went one and three last week. I am 49, 45, and five in the NFL. Went two and two last week. If you add it all up with college and the locks, you are 110, 121, and seven. I am 109, 124, and five. So you're ahead of me there. All right, back in front. It's very close in both regards. So this is a very important week. Let's go. In the NFL, San Francisco at Philadelphia, the Eagles are giving up two and a half points. I have a hard time thinking that Brock Purdy is going to be in the Super Bowl. That's my concern here. Especially to win in the link. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with Philadelphia here. I mean, this is an interesting game because I think typically when you get in the playoffs like this, it's always your quarterback is the X factor of like whether or not you're going to win or lose the game. Well, in this game, it's really not about the quarterbacks at all because these are two really, really well-built, excellent teams around their quarterbacks. So it's almost, in that sense, kind of more intriguing because it's not so much the quarterback matchup as it is, is as it is. You've got two really good defenses, but you've got two offenses with a lot of weapons. So I, I don't know. It's it's tough, but I think I'm gonna go with Philadelphia again. I just I just don't see Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. Like that's my logic. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's fair. I mean, well, okay. You think about it this way: both teams have dominant like defensive lines. Both yeah. teams have really good defenses. This, 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 they, I mean, they're very similar teams. Yeah, both teams good have defenses. good running games. They have really good weapons. Really good weapons, yeah, yeah. like A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. And, I mean, Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurt is objectively better than Brock Burns. 100%. So they have the advantage at quarterback yeah. in a in a in basically a game where it's a washout almost at every other position. Yeah, and they're at home. And, like, Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate. So, I mean, you might not actually have him as a top-five quarterback, but he's for sure top-10. The way he's played this year, when he's been on, he's been really on. So, um I'm going with the Eagles as well, minus the two and a half. I think as much credit as Nick Bosa has gotten, deservedly so. He's maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL this season. The Eagles, like, team pass rush is even better, too. The signing they made with getting Hassan Reddick, and he's been one of the best, like, all pro players. Yeah, unbelievable. that turned out to be really good. Yeah, Brandon Graham's been great. Fletcher Cox, still good. They they made those signings with Linval Joseph and, and Dominican Sue, who yeah. can play solid for them in limited snaps. I, I think they ended up third in NFL history in total sacks. It's a really good defense. I'm taking the Eagles. Uh, what about the over-under? 46 and a half. I am going to take the under here. I think, uh, again, it's Brock Purdy. Like, how many points is Brock Purdy going to give you realistically? Yeah. 13. Yeah, two pass rushers going after each other if they're running the, the football Eagles are lot. Be, I don't think the Eagles are going to get as that much more either. So I'm going to go with the under. I was thinking in my head, I was like, what's the highest score I could see realistically? And like I was like, 24-21. And that yeah. goes under. Yeah, like 24-21, 24-17. Barely under, but still under. So I'll go under too. Cincinnati at Kansas City. I mean, depending when we would have done these game picks this week, yeah. the line would have been all over the board. Yeah, it's Chiefs tough. minus one and a half. I'm taking the Chiefs regardless. I, I mean, you could you could give me any line you want. I'm taking the Chiefs. Give me Kansas City. I'm going Cincinnati. I just, I, again, I, I I just, Cincinnati has had the Ooh. Chiefs number. I know Patrick Holmes has looked good in these limited videos so far, Ooh. but I'm still not expecting him to be 100%. So if you've lost to the Bengals all three times previously with a 100% Patrick Holmes, I'm just, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope fine. I'm wrong. Bet I hope I'm wrong. Us. Bet against us. Uh, Cincinnati, Kansas City, over under 48. Okay, uh, this is the number on this on the over under was 
much lower earlier in the week. Yeah. And now that Patrick Mahomes is like, seems like he's fine, it's gone way up. It opened at like 51 or 52, dropped all the way as low as 46. Yeah. Now it's back up at 48. I'm going to go under here, actually. I think this is, again, I think it's going to be a game where it's not defined by the quarterbacks as, it, as much as it's defined by other areas. And I think this game could easily be a much closer, not, I mean, not low scoring, but I, it wouldn't shock me if this was a 20 to 17 game or 24 to 20 game or something like that. I mean, that's pretty much what it was going to be in Cincinnati. It was mm-hmm. going to be pretty around that number. So I, I actually like the under here. I like the under. I really don't mind the under. This is one that I'm avoiding because I could see it being right in that area where both teams are in the mid-20s. I just think at the end of the day, I'm envisioning like 28-24, 27-23, which is just barely over. Even 28-21, which doesn't seem like that big of a number for this game, is slightly over. So I will go over. Uh, lock of the week, you're 9-9-2 nine, nine, and two in the NFL. So this is big to get above 500. I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony anytime touchdown. Okay. I think, I think Kadarius Tony is going to score a touchdown. That's plus I was right. 200 I was, odds. You I was, only get one win out of that. You sure? <laughs> I was right with uh, Travis Kelsey on two plus touchdowns mm-hmm. last week. I'm going to Kadarius Tony this week. Are you sure you want to do that for a lock of the week at not even odds? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. 100%. I'm going to go Isaiah Pacheco. His That's how confident I am. Base over under for rushing yards 47 and a half on DraftKings. We talked yeah, about that earlier. That's really low. Yeah. I like it. I'm just eight and twelve in locks though, so maybe it won't happen now. Uh, we have our KU game picks. You are eight and ten. I am thirteen and five. Kansas minus one and I'm a half. I'm eight and ten because I keep picking Kansas at Kentucky, and I'm going to pick Kansas again. Mm. Okay, I don't care, Kansas. So Ken Palm has this as Kentucky being favored by a point. Find that interesting at all? I do. Um, I mean, it's at home. I get it. I guess. I just I I feel like everything we talked about earlier this I mean, week. I mean, I think this line is just Vegas has a ton of confidence in Bill Self. I guess. <laughs> I just when I view Kansas's struggles, I mean, first of all, they're they're going through no, it, it right it, now. It does look bad. I mean, the things that Kansas struggles with are defensive some of rebounding, the uh-oh, of Kentucky, yeah, athleticism, uh-oh, like yeah, defending the three-point line, uh-oh. So I'm taking Kentucky, uh, Kansas, Kentucky over under 141. I'm gonna go over. That's a, that's a, that's not. That's, <laughs> eh, I'm gonna go over. Sound like Larry David. Um, I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go over as well. Both teams can do well in transition, even if they don't always play at a super fast rate. I'll go the over. All right, Rock okay. Chalk Pick a Hawk. Let's finish things off here. I am ten and seven. I told you I felt a run coming. I've won three or four in a row. Good job. So we're gonna go four rounds again. Okay. You have to take one player from the other team. Okay. And what am I missing? I think that's it. Oh, this yeah, that's is it. this is the first time that I feel very weird about who to take with the first pick. Who's who's picking first? Is it me or you? It's me. Okay. I really want to go with Oscar Sheba. Wait, why are you picking first? Because you picked first last time, and we rotate. Oh, I, don't, I didn't remember who picked. first. Do you want to pick first? No, I, I'd prefer I, to pick second. Actually. You want me to pick first? If you want, I'm offering you that option. I'll take it. Sure. Okay. Why not? I'm going to take Oscar. No, I actually want to pick first now. I'm going to take Oscar Sheboy. No, 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 no. You can't do that. No, okay. You can have him. Yeah, I do think that was smart. As as much as if you take the opposing player first, it handicaps you a little because now I can wait till the last round to take the next Kentucky guy. But when you have a player like Oscar Sheboy who, I mean, I mean if he gets 14 rebounds with exactly. 16 points, his season average, 
That on its own. That's like I, almost 40 pickhawk points. That's 44 points. pickhawk points, but then minus whatever he loses. But yeah. then he also yeah. gets more for assists and blocks and steals. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll go Jalen Wilson, pick two. Okay. I think just the second time this year he's dropped the second pick. And then uh, I'm not going to go KJ because that's a tough matchup for him. And also, like, yeah, he could get in foul trouble. I'm going to go with Grady Dick. Uh, this feels to me like a great Grady Dick performance type of game. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think they kind of need it too. I really wanted to pick Grady Dick, but mm. that's fine. I'm going to take Dewan, I think. You think or you know? I guess. Okay. Very confident. I guess it doesn't matter which one I go with because I got two picks, but yeah. I yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with KJ. I mean, and I don't know what to do with Kevin either. Well, the thing about Kevin is he could get rebounds. That's what he does. Yeah. He's also just bad. On offense. <laughs> Shooting. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Kevin. Okay. I was hoping you went KJ because I, I actually felt more confident Kevin this game. I'm so I will Kevin. go KJ Adams so I can secure the last starter for KU and then uh I'll take my Kentucky player. You got Jacob Toppin. Yeah, got, see, there's no uh, obvious pick outside of Oscar Wheeler, Sheepway. Like you got uh They just like they have like five other guys who like they well built team, but like a lot of Basically, like five other guys who are between eight and a half points and twelve points per game. Yep. Toppin gets the most rebounds. Casein Wallace gets a lot of steals, and he'll get some rebounds. Reeves is like just the shooter, so I don't want to take him. Same with Frederick. Wheeler's coming off the bench now. The assist would be nice, but I don't know off the bench. So I'm going to go with Casein Wallace. Okay. You have your last pick. All right. So I have my pick of Joe, Bobby, MJ, Ernest, Zuby. Clements. Should we just start making the KU bench just one whole pick? (laughs) (laughs) You just get the entirety of the bench. For better or for worse. You could do bench I think if you if we're gonna do that, we should do like bench bigs versus bench guards. Okay. That makes sense. I actually think we should do bench bigs. So the bench bigs you would get the combination of Zuby, Ernest, and Clements and Cam Martin. Yes. And bench guards would be Bobby Joe Bobby Joe MJ. MJ. Yeah. I'm down for that. Right now? Uh, no, not right now. We'll start for next game. Yeah, we'll start next game. Okay. I'm going to go with Joe because there's honestly kind of been a lot of hype around Joe, actually, coming into this game. Uh, Brian Haney on our show yesterday was talking him up quite a bit. He had the, he had, gave a little anecdote about Bill Self talking to Joe. Like, there's been a lot of hype around Joe, which I think could go one of two ways. Either one, he delivers and has a good game, or two, he just is bad. <laughs> so, I hope that's not the option. I'm going with Joe. All right, he's Nick Springer. He's going to get on out of here for uh, some high school basketball. We're going to take a timeout. Our college basketball, um, I guess, update from Westwood One, and then Jordan Majewski going to talk more college hoops with us. One hour down, 20-ish minutes to go. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and we're joined now by a special guest, Jordan Majewski, who uh, writes about college basketball. You can find him on Twitter and uh uh, very good follow. I would, I would certainly recommend as you're getting to the doldrums of the season. He's at Jor Cubs Dan, J-O-R-C-U-B-S-D-A-N on Twitter. Uh, so I want to talk a little college basketball, national stuff uh, as we get closer, I guess, to March in the NCAA tournament. But first things first, from our neck of the woods, certainly this weekend going to be pretty important with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, and, and KU takes on Kentucky here. Jayhawks are riding a three-game losing streak. Kentucky is on a four-game winning streak. What has kind of gone right have you seen? Like, what what has kind of changed for Kentucky here 
over these last few games from where they were just a few weeks ago after losing at home to South Carolina to what they're doing now? Well, uh, you know, kind of the secret key to uh, winning basketball games is actually making shots. And uh, (laughs) Kentucky is finally making some shots. They weren't doing that before. Um, You know, Jacob Toppin has finally uh, been resurrected. And, um, you know, a lot of Kentucky fans will say that it's uh, also um, Wheeler kind of taking a secondary role and being a bench guy now that has changed Kentucky's season a little bit. And, of course, that you know, the results are the results, and there's probably some truth to that. Well, when you look at this matchup between KU kind of riding a low versus Kentucky riding a high, is there anything that sticks out to you about this matchup or, the, or that you're interested in seeing what happens? Yeah, I mean, just a few weeks ago, um, these teams were on. They've totally flipped into the spectrum here. Um, you know, Kansas is staring at unprecedented territory for uh, – the Bill Self era, um, you know, a four-game losing streak is unheard of. Um, so, you know, um, against Baylor, Self went to switching one through five. That obviously didn't work. And so when, you know, you're playing small ball and you're not getting production out of your five, that's kind of a problem because, you know, the idea is that you're creating a mismatch on the other end with, against, you know, bigger, more traditional paint-tethered fives and he's not, you know, producing on that end. So that's kind of the matchup to watch there, Adams and Sheway. If Adams can get, you know, um, Sheway can't defend more than three feet from the rim. So if you can get him, you know, out of his comfort zone, and even then he's not a great, you know, dominant lockdown defender at the rim either way. But if you can get him moving around and in space, you create so many more opportunities in the middle of the floor. And, you know, obviously Kansas can do that. Can they, you know, actually get some offensive production uh, is another issue. And with Kansas, you know, they just looked so tired against Baylor. And when you're not getting any production, like literally zero production out of your bench, that's a huge problem. Um, You know, Harris isn't hitting every jump shot anymore. So, and if Adams isn't producing offense, you're kind of playing three on five on that end. Yeah, it's certainly been a slog for KU recently. Um, elsewhere, there, there's some other good matchups in this Big 12 SEC Challenge. Obviously, Texas-Tennessee is going to be where college game day is at. Um, is there one of those matchups in the Big 12 SEC Challenge? I don't know, maybe it is that the Texas-Tennessee game that you think is going to be most telling for trying to figure out the uh, constant puzzle of who is who in, in college basketball every season, or or maybe a, a matchup that you're just most excited for just stylistically or, or what the two teams kind of bring to the table? Yeah, sure. Texas and Tennessee, yeah, pretty um, high on the list of games to watch in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And, um, you know, Tennessee really gets in your jersey guarding you on the perimeter. And if you can neutralize Carr for Texas, then, you know, there's – they don't have a lot of jump shooters outside of that. And I mean, no one's hitting jump shots against Tennessee in the first place. And Texas doesn't have very much rim production. So I don't know, you know, where they're going to get their offense from in that game. Um, uh, Iowa state, Missouri is a great game too. Uh, Missouri was not hitting. I think they were like 18 for their last 100 from three before that, um, uh, last game where they just went ballistic against Mississippi. 
And you can kind of, uh, if you're going to beat Iowa State, you're going to have to do it with jump shots because they um, force the farthest shot proximity. Um, Eric Haslam tracks it on his analytics site. Uh, they force you into the farthest shots away from the rim. And so if Missouri's still on a heater, um, that's how you beat Iowa State there. Kansas State, Florida, also interesting. Um, you know, Kansas State, they're legit, but they also rely so much on um, production from two guys, right? And uh, Florida runs one of the strictest drop coverages in uh, college basketball. And so they're going to – everything comes in the middle of the floor against Florida. It's tough to get to the rim, and they chase you off the three-point line as well as anybody in the country. So, you know, uh, that's – and Kansas State has the highest rim and three rate in the Big 12. So that's kind of an interesting stylistic – dichotomy there and uh if you can if you can get kansas state at the rim as well and uh castleton has been playing really well for florida of late well and you know i i wonder because with how good the big 12 has been this year and i guess just keeping up that perception i i don't know how much does this matter uh, what's happening this weekend like if the big 12 goes out there and you know, goes three and seven against the SEC. Do you think there's going to be some sort of pushback about just how good the league is, or I guess like, do they need to have kind of a, a a strong showing where they do win the challenge and win six or seven of the matchups? Yeah, I I can see that kind of being a narrative. That I mean, you know, everyone's always looking for a narrative and to you know promote something. And I'm sure that if the SEC kind of hands it to the Big 12, that'll be, you know, a big talking point. Is the Big 12 actually the best? And they are. And, you know, you kind of um, – I was listening to Bob Huggins' um, uh, press conference today, and he, you know, he's always going to pretty much tell tell it like it is. And he – you could tell he – obviously this is the last year for the challenge. He said he didn't care if it got replaced, and he doesn't, you know, <laughs> really care to be playing in it, period. And so I think there is the sense that the Big 12 is such a gauntlet that, you know, it's very possible that the SEC handles, takes care of business in this challenge, and that, you know, will shift some narrative. But to me, it's just more of a, the Big 12 doesn't really necessarily care that much about it and as a whole, and they just beat up on each other so much that it's tough to, you know, kind of shift focus to a non-conference game in the middle of that uh, gauntlet. Well, when you look at that with the Big 12 kind of beating up on each other, um, we were talking to a guest earlier this week, and he was talking about how, you know, some somebody just asked him, you know, that, that he ran into uh, KU potentially if they played six games in March going to the title game, what would be a tougher path, that path or the, the kind of six-game streak that they're in the midst of right now with, you know, Kansas State and Baylor and then upcoming Kentucky, and then you have Kansas State and Iowa State after that. Do you think this stretch of Big 12 play, like, do you think it's going to help teams for, for the NCAA tournament when, when you're filling out your bracket in March, or are you going to lean more Big 12 heavy, or, or is it not really something that's going to register? Yeah, I'm not really um... – I don't buy heavily into the, like the, you know, a team that's battle tested or a team knows how to win close games because they played a lot of close games. There's just so much that goes into um, like so much variance that goes into an NCAA tournament draw. 
so, you know, that's mainly what I'm focused on is the matchup. And, uh, you know, certainly it helps playing so many good teams over and over again. You know, that's always kind of the knock on Gonzaga that, you know, they play such a um, light schedule during their conference season while everyone else is, you know, kind of being, you know, thrown into the fire over and over and over again. And then they get, you know, hit in the mouth and never recover. Um, But, you know, I think it's with Kansas, I think there's some issue that there's this no bench production. And so these guys, I would be worried about Kansas personally come March, just being completely dead legged. I mean, you can see it already and there's no let up, you know? So, you know, if you're playing like, if you're playing tired from the middle of January until March, where's the recovery come, you know, guys like Pettiford and really needed to develop into a guy and they just haven't done that yet. Yeah. It's amazing how many people are already talking about the uh, possible saving grace of just longer TV timeouts for the uh, NCAA tournament around here. We're talking with Jordan Majewski. Um, I do want to talk a little like, you know, national college basketball here. The list of teams that I don't know, like it's always tough to be like, well, only this amount of teams can win the title because March can be so fluky and weird things happen. But just in terms of, like, if you had to, I guess, put the top tier of teams that you realistically think would win a title this year, barring some of that absolute madness happening, would it, would the list go deeper this year than, than in past years? Or is there a team or two that, that you think you feel very confident that they should make that deep run in March? Yeah, I don't think we have, like, the clear, dominant, you know, run through the whole schedule like Gonzaga has in the past team. But there is, I think, a distinct tier of teams who are more likely to win it. And that includes, um, in my mind, Alabama and Purdue. I think those are the two best teams, and obviously that's reflected in um, rankings. But Alabama's kind of matchup proof with – their athleticism and just, you know, Miller's a, uh, a freak athlete who can create at all three levels. And uh, Purdue is the most consistent team, which is helpful, uh, which is a, a byproduct of having the most consistent form of offense in the game. You know, when you can throw it into a 7-4 guy who has footwork like Edie. Um, but they also have kind of a lower ceiling. Um, you know, they don't it's hard for them to really put teams away, especially with the way they've been struggling to shoot the ball from the perimeter. But I think those are the two clear best teams, and that's reflected in the ratings. Around college basketball, are there any teams that you think might be flying under the radar right now, whether it's a team that, I don't know, they're you know in that 10 to 15 range that you think could work up into that top five, or if it's a team that you know maybe isn't even a top 25 team that you're still kind of high on that could maybe go on a run here of how good they could be. Somebody who maybe is being slept on right now or a couple teams that, that you're still high on and what they can do the rest of this season. Yeah, I don't know how slept on Marquette is, but um, you know they have the number one rated Ken Palm offense, uh, offensive efficiency, and they create so many mismatches. Um, and that's really key in the NCAA tournament. It's why you see the Big Ten kind of flounder every March um, because they're so paint-tethered, and then you get to the NCAA tournament, and these uh, other teams kind of force them to guard in space, and they can't do it. 
and Marquette does that. Now, on the other end, that can be exploited because they don't have a lot of um, physical size. They have athletic and more finesse size, but they create so many mismatches, and they get into the paint every single time down and just create incredible shots working inside out. So I think Marquette's a team um, that will pose a lot of mismatches for the teams at the top, uh, you know, like Purdue, should they meet deeper in the tournament. Is there any mid-majors right now? Or or I guess, obviously, there always are. But uh, which mid-majors then kind of stick out to you this season right now? Obviously, you never know. You know, some teams could be uh, protected projected to be a possible 13 or 12 Z and then they get upset in their, their conference tournament and, and don't make it. But um, what kind of collection of mid-majors right now stick out to you as being possible NCAA tournament darlings? Yeah, there's a, a trio kind of um, St. Mary's Charleston and um, Florida Atlantic that are, you know, all ranked and playing really well, but I'm going to bypass them. I think everyone kind of knows of them for two that have had previous success in the NCAA tournament and can do it again. Um, Oral Roberts and Liberty both have incredible guard play. Um, Max Aismas for Oral Roberts, of course, everyone knows. And Darius McGee for Liberty is an absolute flamethrower. And, uh, you know, with Oral Roberts, they have another backcourt uh, guy that has stepped up that allows Aismas to play on and off the ball with McBride. And then they have a 7-5 pick-and-pop guy in Connor Vanover. So they're going to be a really tough matchup, um, and obviously they've Max Aismas has done that before. And uh, with Liberty, this is the best defensive team Richie, Richie McKay has ever had at Liberty, plus they have just unbelievable offensive firepower and shot-making ability out of their backcourt. Well, that's former Kansas Jayhawk Isaac McBride. He was uh, here for a couple right. months and then uh, took off. So that would be interesting if, if they ended up matching up in the NCAA tournament. Well, Jordan, I appreciate the time and, and coming on here. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Where can people find your work? Uh, yeah, you mentioned it before um, on Twitter. I'm J-O-R-C-U-B-S-D-A-N, Jordan Cubsden. I set that up like over a decade ago uh, when I was still a big Cubs fan. Uh <laughs> So um, that's where I am on Twitter, and uh, there's a link to my uh, site, um, Staring at the Floorboards, where I do daily matchup breakdowns uh, every, basically every day and uh, all the way through the NCAA tournament. Awesome, Jordan. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That was Jordan Majewski joining us here, college basketball writer on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Loved uh, breaking some stuff down with Jordan, and, uh, you know, you get a scope around college basketball now that we're kind of into the teeth of things and getting closer to march we're going to try to have like a national writer on once a week just to get a a full scope of everything or or a national analyst somebody that can help us break down just you know kind of once a week to get out of the the microscopic as much as we love talking about all the microscopic stuff with ku and, and look more kind of into the macro that's going to do it for this edition though of rock chalk sports talk we uh, have high school hoops coming at you next so we're out a little bit early today we got uh, Free State High School, girls basketball, 4.30. They're hosting the Winter Classic. So we got that one coming next with Nick Springer and Craig Hershiser. Then at 6 o'clock, or, or basically after the first game ends, we're going to have the Lawrence High girls basketball game coming at you in the Winter Classic. So you can hear that on KLWN tonight. As far as tomorrow's action goes, 
You'll be able to hear the KU men's basketball game, pregame 5.30, tip-off 7 o'clock, right here on KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app, and on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. On Sunday, we are going to be airing the NFC and AFC championship games here on KLWN. Um, so you can hear the Westwood One coverage of both the NFC and AFC championships here, KLWN. If you're looking for the KU women's game on Sunday, that is going to be on 105.9 KISS on Sunday with pregame 445 tip-off at 5 o'clock for Kansas versus Kansas State. So that's our programming notes for the weekend. That'll do it for today's edition of RCST, this week's editions. If you missed anything on today's show or any show, check it out in the Best of RCST podcast wherever you find your podcasts. High School Hoops coming at you next. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.